I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. And... To be honest, I didn't know until I dropped Delusions of Grounder. I seen uh, Hip Hop by Numbers website said this is Gucci's 100 project since 2005. How many people do you have? And, um, I was like, I hit the team like, hey, listen, you know, why we ain't publicizing this at Atlantic? I'm like, did y'all know that I had 100 albums? We should have made this part of the run, letting people know. <sighs> I am directed to the fifth element. What highlights of hip hop? Which is knowledge. Host a bad podcast? That's not me. Have Gucci Mane shout you out? That's not me. <laughs> Have Chance the Rapper shout you out? That's not me. Have Isaiah Rashad <laughs> hit you up? That's not me. It's taking the digits. <laughs> Why didn't Atlantic make that part of the run? That's the thing. That's the thing that haunted me. Atlantic just had to reach out and I would have told them. Gucci Mane had 100 projects. They didn't do it. They didn't reach out. I feel bad for you. I bleed for you. Don't feel bad for me. Got famous friends. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking dick. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Uh, it's been a decent week. Um, we're finally out of lockdown today. Today is the day. We have Freedom Day today, so I can uh, go and see my friends. I'm going to go Freedom! see my nephew's first birthday was on Saturday, so I'm going to go over and see him today, which is very exciting. Uh, I got into some records, though. Tech 9, Asinine. I actually I fucked up on this because I told Charlie that Tech had dropped an album and and he wondered out loud whether he should give it a give it a chance and I said nah it'll just be him speed rapping over rock songs totally not worth it and I was really incorrect because not about the speed rapping or the beats uh, but it's absolutely worth it because I felt like Tech went back to his special effects era of pairing incredible feature artists with wild beats and he just plays like cleanup hitter. Uh, he gets Wayne on here, Snow the Product, Russ, Joey Cool, E40. He even gets Dwayne the Rock Johnson, his first ever rap song. I think he drops it. He might drop a 16 or a 12 at the end of that song. Uh, and they they all actually, you know, there's heaps of other artists on here. Everyone just lyrically assassinates every beat on this record. It's it's work. It works every fucking time on here. It's actually a really good project front to back. I probably won't go back to it because. I think you have to be in a certain mood to be bumping Tech 9 and I'm not often in that mood. I think I'm a bit, I'm past that stage of my life. Maybe a bit of cardio if I'm like really hammering myself with cardio. But that's the best project I've heard from him in a really long time. So shout out to Tech 9 uh, Don Tolliver, Life of a Don. I really expected to dislike this record because I felt heaven or hell his previous record it was wedged in the, this middle ground between being minimalist and thoughtful in that open space and being just genuinely boring and underdone. And I think he would like t- dip between the two on that project. And it, I, I could see the vision. I just didn't feel like the execution was was great. Um, I don't really understand why everyone has been writing so hard for Don Tolliver. 
I never really understand this whole thing where one artist who makes, you know, music that's very similar to what everyone else makes, but for some reason he is the one that everyone talks about, and Don Tolliver is that person. So I thought I'd better listen to this album and see what's happening. Uh, I can see the vision changing and the execution finally catching up. I don't think Don Tolliver has expanded his sound much. I think these instrumentals on their own don't sound that you know they're pretty boring to be 100 honest so the true triumph i think is don toliver himself he drags his influences and his inspirations into everything he does and he actually begins to skate on every track on here like on way bigger it's like four seasons in one day we get young thug playboy cardi travis scott and a bit of kid cuddy just all mixed in together uh, and I think Don Tolliver is weaving them together better than anyone I've heard in recent times. You know, I've heard a lot of ripoffs in recent times. I'm not saying Don Tolliver is a ripoff. It's totally in bounds to be inspired by people and to take inspiration from uh, the different directions that artists are going in. I mean, that's the point in, in creating something new, right? It's to influence people. And I think Don Tolliver is doing very, very well. Uh, he gets some earworms, like Get Throwed, I think is the best song on the album. It's really, really good. He has to be on top form on every song because I don't think the instrumentals are very good at all. So, you know, some of the tracks like uh, Swangin' on Westheimer, bit sleepy. Uh, there are a couple of tracks on Certified Loverboy with Drake singing that are really sleepy. And I got that impression sometimes when Don Tolliver wasn't like fully on his game. But I think it's a really good project. I, I don't understand the hype still. Uh you know, if, if I'm missing something, people can let me know what the hype is because I'm missing it. I think it's a good project. I think it's about seven, seven and a half out of ten. Uh, when I said thought Heaven and Hell was not anywhere near that. So it's a, it's a huge improvement for Don Tolliver. So shout out to him. Uh, this thing of ours by Alchemist. Bro, we need more than like 11 minutes on these tapes. It's killing me. Like, <laughs> how long is the Vince Staples song at the end? It's, it feels like it's like a minute. It's crazy. I just... I really want him to just go wild and drop like a 50-minute tape. I know that's not what he's going to do, but Alchemist has the ability, if he wanted to do this, to just put out 50 versions of this thing of ours, part 50, and he would still be having legendary beats and legendary artists on them just creating legendary music. He just is a great artist, and he's a great cultivator of good songs. And he, he crafts an aesthetic really, really well, and that's why I wanted a bit longer than 11 minutes because like you're just really getting into it and then it restarts and you're like, oh, and it's great. You know, you listen to it a couple of times, but oh man, I really wish it was longer. But I, t- I understand the vision there. And finally, Expensive Pain by Meek Mill. I don't think I talked about this last week. I can't even remember. Um, but no, I thought didn't. I didn't. Okay, so I thought this album was good. I really did think it was good. Meek Mill has lost. It's the same. It's the, the exact opposite of the Don Tolliver thing. Like, I mean, I know that Meek Mill says some wild stuff on social media, and that's where he's lost the will of the people, you know. He's kind of lost that trust capital or whatever, that hype. But he's still making really good music. You know, I, I think the the criticism of him and the dragging of him and saying this album's trash is really not. It's actually a really good album. I still do think that Meek Mill has a classic album in him. I don't think this is it at all. I don't think this was ever going to be it. Um... I don't know, man. I I think that he is really impassioned here. He speaks with emotion. Uh, his technique is incredible. He sounds amazing over these beats. 
Uh, I just think it's another Meek Mill project, and I'm waiting for him to just make that album where he just does 10 tracks where he's like, you know what, I'm just going to skate on these with like deep technical ability, deep content, deep emotion, deep passion. But I think too often he just skips into rapping about women and money. And that's great, you know, that's cool. But like we know you're rich and we know you get women. We don't need to keep hearing it on every single project. So I think at some point we'll get it from Meek. I don't know how old he is. I think he's like 33, 34. I think in the next couple of years we will get that classic project, but Expensive Pain was not it. But it's still a good project. I enjoyed it. That was me, Charlie. What about yourself? I mean, if he, ha- if he hasn't dropped his classic yet, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm there Yeah, but like, <laughs> nah, but like Tyler took Tyler took a while. Meek's 34. Um, you know, artists yeah, can take. I mean, artists can take uh, a while, man. Artists can take a while I, to I, do that. I, I know, but it's I know, but you know, I feel like Meek's focusing on a lot of other. You shit. know what I think like, it is, you know, and I'll say but, this because I think because I'm going to speak about it a little bit with Skepta. There's a bit at the end, um, but I think a lot of artists drop a classic at the start and a classic right towards the end. There's not. I I don't know. This is just subjective. Maybe I haven't looked into this. But there's not a lot of mid-career classics. You know what I mean? And Dreams and Nightmares was a great fucking project. It wasn't a classic, but it was very fucking close. And I think we're in Meek's mid-career right now. So we're waiting. And and I'm not talking about Kanye. I'm not talking about Outkast. I'm not talking about artists who just drop classic after classic after classic after classic. I'm talking about Nas, for example. I'm talking about jay-z oh and jay-z's got the black album and blueprint i don't know maybe i'm off on yeah. that but i think um i, I, I mean yeah I, I mean i can there's definitely i think there's i think that's one of those things where like you know there's cases for either way like um, mm. i feel like there's plenty of people that have had classics right in the middle of their career or what we class as their middle career like i class rhapsody's career in the middle right now and she's dropped two guaranteed bangers um so but these are unicorns i know what you mean though rhapsody i know what you mean is a unicorn like rhapsody outcast yeah. kanye uni- they're unicorns like they I know. yeah okay yeah i know what you mean it's 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 an interesting thought process but anyway mm. um yeah i'll just go into two projects um uh one recent one uh from a while back uh start off with a soul chef for the moment come back with another one little ep little beat tape right quick um, I thoroughly enjoy Soul Chef every time I listen to him. I love his beats. They're just uh, nice and always full-bodied. It's like a... Yeah, yeah. I think that's the perfect way to say it. It's, it's always full-bodied. It's just like, boom. It just hits you. just hits nice. Everything's there. And uh, you just got real beautiful samples every single time. Uh, some great stuff all throughout that particular EP. I think it's like uh, six or so tracks. Let me check the numbers right quick. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's 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 an EP. It's not too long. Um, I think you guys can get into that right quick and uh, you know have a nice time. Sixteen minutes, six songs. Yeah, uh, it starts off with that "Oh Baby." Oh, 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 sample on that. Crazy nice, crazy nice, tasty. Um, and lastly, uh, we re- went to Reggie Snow. Um, this dropped in July. Mm. Uh, Bo Black Sheep, mm. or Bo Bo Black Sheep, Bo 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 Bo. Um, Good album. Yeah, I, I, this is yeah. I'm I'm kind of um. I was uh, I was uh. Yeah, this is interesting. I like it. I, it's a, it's a real interesting listen. It definitely deserves a few you know a few more listens. I think it's one of those kind of projects where like it reminds me of um. It reminds me of, like Thundercat. Mm. You know when you listen to Thundercat and you're just like. 
I don't know what he's talking about, but it's a vibe. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 nice. It's like that. Um, I like the uh, cookie chips with MF Doom and Cam Obi. Banger, love that track. Shout out Absolutely to Cam Obi. Clean. Shout out to Cam Obi. Yeah, yeah he's all over this. He's mm. all over this as well. Um, so he 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 really laces this very nicely and keeps the keeps it in theme. I think um, he's a obviously a thematic, uh, consistent. Uh, he's a consistent theme in the album itself um with his features so um i really enjoy that um i like the interludes with just like you know the mini kind of mini character thing going on i love that um and yeah everything just blends really nicely i love the beats it, it's like abstracty um i can't i can't really explain it but it's it's, it's nice it's really nice he sounds he sounds tightly creatorish just like in terms of vocals um, but everything past that is just complete Reggie and uh, uniquely Reggie. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, man, I respect this album. I respect this album a lot. Um, I saw it, uh, just suggested, and I was like, I've heard of the dude, but I haven't listened to him. Um, so I thought this is a good time, and uh, yeah, I feel like I've uh, I've, I've 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 achieved um on that on that front. So uh, shout out to him. And uh, yeah, I did have uh, three other projects to get to, but um, I guess that will move on to next week. And with that said, we shall hop in to our topic of this episode, which Ben has already ruined. Uh, we are talking about Big Smoke, uh, one and only Skepta. Um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I feel like uh, com- next to like uh, uh, next to like the Roddy P episode we did, um, I feel like this is one of those ones where I feel like it's necessary. I'm, I'm, for me, my goal here for you, for, for you guys, when you leave this episode, is for you to just gain a little bit of knowledge on what was going on around the, uh, again around the you know 08, uh, 14, 16 era, because um, I find that I find that era of just UK rap, grime, everything, just black culture in general, uh, musically. Uh, it was really fluctuating and it's really fascinating and Skepta's in the middle of all of it um, he features in every single part of it in some fashion and hopefully I'm going to get that across to you guys uh, when we get to it um, but with that said we shall see what Ben has to give to us and uh, see what he's got for us today well Skepta is one of the greatest British MCs of all time boy I'd Please. wager a lot of people don't know that he began his career back in the year 2000 you know pre-Boy in the Corner he doesn't give a lot of interviews, so it's not always easy to build a picture of him and his career, but I will try my best to do so in this because by the time we get to the end, whew, tell you what, man, you're going to have a new respect for Skepta. That's for, that's for sure. If you don't know a lot about Skepta, you're going to know a lot after this episode. So he did an interview with Ian McQuaid, and he said this about London. Compared to what I thought my options were when I was younger, if I was young today, then I'd have a dream. I'd have a belief because... What the older generation have done before me when i was young i didn't believe all this could happen my album came out i was on a flight to toronto the next day to play a show and they knew all the words to the new songs you think when i was a kid i ever thought that would happen i've got my name tattooed on my back and i fucking hate it but when i was younger i thought i was going to be a local thing i had skepta on my jacket an s earring and an s chain then it was all about being local now it's worldwide As a younger man, I didn't think this was possible. The lack of good weather here brings down the vibe in the city. The city is a rat race as it is, and bad weather brings it down. But that's what life's about. You can enjoy the sun, but you've got to learn to enjoy the rain as well. Learn to party in the rain. That's what London will teach you. When I go around the world, people ask me why I haven't got security. It's because it wouldn't make sense for me to have them. I'm from London, and people don't stunt like that here. I said that at the start... 
what I'm about to say probably won't be super relevant to that, but it will be very relevant when I get to the end. So Skepta was born in Tottenham, North London in 1982. He's 39 years old. His siblings are incredibly talented in their own rights. Jamie is a musician, Julie's a radio presenter, and Jason is a graphics designer as well as producing some of the tracks on Skepta's classic album, Kinichua. Now Skepta's mother wrote a, a memoir entitled Endless Fortune about the origins of her famous family and the struggle she endured as a Nigerian immigrant bringing up four kids on a council estate. Her story is genuinely traumatic. It, it details the civil war in Nigeria, uh, how her family tried to flee Lagos uh, in the back of a pickup truck with Nigerian soldiers threatening them with guns at every checkpoint. She ended up stuck in an area that was actually cut off from food and oil and said there were times when she had literally nothing to eat. And it is estimated that 2 million people died of starvation in Nigeria during this time. So in 1980, she flew to the UK in search of work. And at one point in this Guardian article I read on her story, uh, she said she was earning 11 pounds a week. Now she met her husband, Joseph, and enrolled in college to study business management. Four kids were not easy to provide for, and she said they lost their first home and were rehoused by the council in the Meridian estate, which will become important in a second. The Guardian says Skepta's father, Joseph, would house, sorry, would host house parties, uh, and he would DJ into the early hours. And Skepta said this, he said, the moment you step out of your house, you step into a different world. Your friends, the people around you, they could live next door to you. It doesn't matter. They don't understand what's happening behind that door. And Skepta is the eldest child, and he said he was shouldered with the responsibility of trying to navigate existing in the social world whilst living in incredibly harsh economic conditions. Naturally, it was pirate radio where Skepta and JME began, and they began developing their sound and technique via Heat FM, uh, which was the main one in North London that captured the brothers freestyling over instrumentals that were mostly produced by Skepta himself, and we'll get to that. They actually created beats on their PlayStation. Now, this is really cool, because when I heard that story, I was like, oh, I know someone who used to do that. So I did some research. Now, DJ Target told Pro Sound in an interview that it was very prevalent for young grime producers to use their PlayStations to create beats. There's a classic article by Yo in DJ Booth on MTV Music Generator, which is a PlayStation 1 game that came out in 98 via Codemasters. Uh, the alumni <laughs> include, yeah, alumni include Soundwave, Lex Luger, John Wayne, Hudson Mohawk, and Big Crit. I knew, I knew, and it was fucking Big Crit. I did some research on him once, and he said he used to use that program to create beats when he was younger. So yeah. Skepta's mum said her husband provided them with that creative DIY spark. He would build things from scratch for the children and empower them to craft their own creations. JME said... What mum and dad gave us was the power of imagination. There were so many things that they imagined and made happen. All of this is so essential to Skepta. All this is so essential when we get to the end. It's just like, when I was writing this and reading about this, I'm like, holy shit, man, he manifested this. Like, it's unbelievable. We'll get to that. But Jamie and Skepta became part of the Meridian crew, which was a loose collective of MCs from the Meridian Council Projects. And in fact, in the last few days, the crew actually reunited recently for the first time in a decade. Uh, Bossman Birdie, Paper Pabs, Big H, President T, and JME dropped the song Man in Meridian. Uh, that was like a week ago or five days ago now, so it was very, very recent. Now, Meridian crew is credited as being one of the first acts to popularize grime, 
and it was Skepta behind the boards and JME providing the bars at the start. They would have weekly slots on Heat FM and Deja Vu 92.3, but they ended up dissolving in 2005, leaving the artists to go their separate ways. And obviously we know what happens then is Skepta and JME started their own group and record label Boy Better Know after a very short stint in the group Roll Deep, which was a classic English hip-hop collective formed by Wiley. Uh, it had yeah. alumni like Dizzy Rascal, Tinchy Strider, uh, as well as DJ Target, who I mentioned just before. Be a major retrospect of that one. <laughs> Bro, the, 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 the alumni on that is wild. Like, I really do one day want to go in. Maybe we can do it for History Month next year. Just the collectives yep. in the UK, because there are some that I don't think people know about. Anyway, I mean, because I don't know about it because yep. I'm not British, but like doing some research is wild. Um, so by this point, Skepta was still more of a producer than an MC. It was actually a run-in with the police that convinced him to begin rap via Wiley. So here's the story. Skepta says, I had a little bit of trouble and the police took all my records off me. I was left with nothing. Uh, Wiley asked me, why don't you try MCing? Pick up the mic and try something. I eventually got those records back, but by then I'd lost the motivation. So he was like uh, producing and DJing at this point. And we know Skepta is the MC who produces... But his ability to sequence an album, which is incredible, uh, it comes from back in the day. And he said this to 106.8 in 2008. Sometimes loads of my friends come to my house because they know I have a CD burner and say, Skepta, make me a CD of some tunes. Sometimes people don't want to hear a CD of just one person or one type of track. Sometimes people just want to hear their favorite songs. So I thought if I mix those tracks together, they wouldn't have to get their friends to make them a CD. They could hear everything they wanted to hear. So around the mid-2000s, Skepta decides to focus on rapping. He and Jamie had BBK, and they would appear regularly on Pirate Radio, uh, Rinse FM with DJ Maximum, which is the radio station credited with helping Dizzy and Wiley explode into the mainstream. And Skepta... And an official radio station now. Is it? Well, there you go. Yeah, it's gone official. It's gone official. Shout out to, uh, shout out to Rinse FM. And I think the thing that most people will point to a skeptic's arrival on the scene is the battle with devil man at lord of the mics in 2006 you can see it on youtube if you're interested mm -hmm. it's fucking fascinating because whilst devil man just barrels through his punchlines without heaps of fanfare skeptic stares deep into the camera he has the crowd <laughs> finishing his bars for him he pauses between punchlines he sounds like a fucking veteran already like it's he sounds so in control of that crowd and, and, and that moment. It's yeah. unbelievable. And off the back of that yeah. momentum, he decided to drop his debut mixtape, uh, which I didn't listen to, but uh, I, I think it's, it must be on YouTube somewhere. I couldn't I couldn't. Yeah, find. yeah, it's de yeah, it's definitely on YouTube. Okay, well, it's um, self-release. Maybe, maybe not fully. I'm not sure about the track listing, but the but yeah, there are there are tracks there. Um but I'm not sure how official it is. But yeah, there are there is there are a couple of playlists around. Okay, I have to look that up. But that may or may not be on the up and up. Well, that was a that was a warm up to his debut album, uh, Greatest Hits, which would drop in September 20, uh, 2007. And I think it's best Charlie jump in and and take it away from there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Greatest Hits. Uh, at this point. Um. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, I guess, uh, landscape because uh, at this point, I think overall, uh, there, there's, there's going to be a shift. Not quite at 2008, but around, but so close. It's so close. It's in the air. 
right let's just say that it's in the air but at this point it's still firmly you know grime life uh most uh black artists at this point uh are do, are you know trying to do something of that nature um and obviously Skepta is uh, no different um if you guys haven't listened to i spy uh, you are missing the fuck out. Um, <laughs> I there, there is no there, there's there's rarely a time where I truly what what was what was it I think what was I thinking the other day? oh yeah so mate, minor tangent um, there was a I was talking to I was talking to some film mates the other uh, a couple of weeks ago it was when the uh, the trailer for uh, Matrix Four came out. <laughs> And obviously, I watched the shit out of that. I was like, "Oh, can't wait!" Mm-hmm. Um, I'm literally going to try and watch the whole trilogy uh, in the cinema. <laughs> I hope somebody's doing that. Some cinema. I hope cin- some cinema in the country is doing that, so I can watch the full final midnight and watch all four just in one day. Anyway, um, so yeah, I was talking to friend, uh, film friends about it, and uh, I asked them, uh, "What's a? Is there a moment in time where you wish you could go back and see? You know, not not just the film in the cinema." But just the overall like fanfare around it, and you know, be, just be and just you know, immerse into the experience of it, right? And uh, people are suggesting stuff, and for me, it's the Matrix. I wish I was around for the Matrix when it was at its height, uh, for the for the mate for the first one, and then for the second and third uh, in 03 and 04, if I'm correct. I wish I was there to just experience all of that. That would have been amazing. Coming back to this, I wish I was in those boiler rooms for when I spy popped off, bro. Like I, I wish. <laughs> Imagine that, just, just, just. Oh God, you're in those like dark, dingy, literal boiler rooms, and you just hear the. Like fucking hell, bro. Crazy vibes. It's stupid thinking about it. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty of YouTuber. Uh, testimonials for that but yeah just if you haven't listened to that track just that one track definitely but the whole the whole album's like just solid it's a solid um it is a solid uh grime album of the time um is a real nice uh glimpse into what's going on at that point i feel uh so yeah there's, there's plenty of uh just great skeptic bars about he produces the majority of it um I love the Iron Apple 2006 skit, which is just super, super real in some way. It's just the fact that he's he's got jailed in, I think it was Greece. Um, uh, it's just uh, that was just a very fascinating uh, moment. He was just trying to get a word from some Greek dude who probably didn't speak English at that point. Um, but yeah, he tried to get a word from that. But yeah, it's, it's so great. Uh, Jamie and uh, Shorty on Blood, Sweat and Tears. Uh, I couldn't find I couldn't find for the life of me the the single remix the hidden track at the bottom uh, at the end I uh, couldn't find it anywhere but uh, uh, not like I looked too hard to be honest and uh, yeah D- Duppy doing it again oh, just so many like four that's this is the this is the this is what I love about Grimers in general is the fact that you have a track that's not that's under four minutes. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys on it. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. That was wild. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> it's it should be impossible, but it works. It's just I I love I love that nature. It's to see it's um the mo- the best uh, the best example the best recent example um is that uh is that one track on um Kano's hoodies all summer. Uh, where it's like him and Getz, uh, and literally on—I don't know if it was on the music video or just on a performance that they did—but they were literally like 
doing it in the way that you would do it in the boiler room back in the day where like you're holding the mic and the person's literally right about to take like literally got his hands under the mic ready to take the mic as soon as you finish your bars like with you know no no space in between so you finish your bars he's taking that mic and that's kind of the vibe I get from that track and it's just so there's a it's a throwback nature to it and uh, that's I, I completely love that but yeah the album's um yeah, I'm solid. I love Sweet Mother. That's a real nice, um, you know, change of pace. Um, in just talking about his mother, that's nice. Uh, Not Your Average Joe is a, is a, is a personal favourite for me. Um, But I spy Jesus Christ, bro. That, that's, that's just an iconic, iconic track right there, man. So, yeah, bang, banging album. Uh, definitely a, a nice example of, uh, of grime at the time. I mean, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I... I don't know that there's been a wilder entry for a rapper than the journey outside of the Humpty Dance by Digital Underground because this like <laughs> ultra yeah, yeah. sparse, like totally cavernous beat and Skepta comes yep. in on his debut studio album. Please don't have to make me go into detail. When I say I came out of my dad's hole, now I'm in a race with these tadpoles speeding through the fallopian I need to beat all the rest of these babies. And he just, it, the whole thing, the whole song yeah. is bananas, yeah. like absolutely yeah, journey, fucking yeah. bananas. And that's a stunning song to begin your career with. And then I think he just takes us to outer space on this album, man. It's traditionally high BPM garage bangers that he skates all over the top of. Um, doing it again sounds like a remnant from his PlayStation production days. It's like an 8-bit synth and a, a rapid cadence. Uh, Meridian Crew, they're so unique. Every single rapper on that song is so unique. And you can see why that was so influential in early grime. Um, it almost feels a bit odd to see this as a Skepta song on a Skepta album because, you know, you know he pr- began as a producer for Meridian Crew. It's just... I don't know, it just tripped me out the more research I'd done on it. Ice Buy, so I want to talk about Ice Buy a little bit. The song is produced by Rebound X. Please do. Rebound X, very mysterious artist. Now, someone posted on a forum that they thought it was actually Wiley under an alias. They got fucking flamed for that. But RBX's name is a legendary, uh, allegedly, sorry, Benjamin DeRoe. But in 2008, he kind of just vanished and he never dropped another project. Now, the beat for I Spy is actually Rhythm and Gash Part 1, which is a song that appeared on Rebound X's Land of X, which is a 10-inch that was released in 2006 with three other instrumentals. Now, Skepta, JME, Temper T have all rapped over it. Some have called it the most recognizable grime instrumental of all time. And it's a really intriguing story. It's a really intriguing story. Um, that's a whole other... Be, you know. That's a conversation that I can't participate in but because um, I'm not really... <laughs> but I found it really fascinating. Uh, a former schoolmate actually claims that RBX was ridiculed for posting the instrumental on a forum and that permanently knocked his conf- confidence. Now, DJ Logan Sammer said that the song took a long time to hit and it wasn't until the spaceship freestyle by Skepta and JME that the tide began to turn. And it's so iconic now, this beat... That Complex did a story on it in 2016, and when I say that, I'm not trying to big up Complex. I'm just saying, like, if com- if it's if it's across Complex's desk, desk, then it's mainstream at this point. So if you search for him, you end up on a bunch of random forums from 07 to 08 with people either shitting on RBX, like genuinely because the song was not particularly well received when it first came out, 
or just wondering where the fuck he is and who he is. And if you're out there, RBX, you produce the fucking banger. So this the the mystery is unsolved at this point. Like, where is RBX right now? Um, but I th- I think I always see greatest hits under the lens of it's a banger, man. It's a hype album turned up to twelve in the same mold as early Dizzy. Uh, it's a lot more freeform and less controlled than like Kano's early work, for example. People point mm. to MySpace as being huge in Skepta's arrival. Uh, and I Spy was apparently the MySpace song of choice for basically everyone around that period. And there's just a youthful abandon to the project. You know, like Skepta didn't cut any beats whatsoever. He just grabbed the first 14 beats he produced or was offered and just said, fuck it, I'm going to turn all these into fucking anthems. And he just succeeded. It's a wild, wild journey. And I would never be mad at someone saying that this is his best album. Like... I can understand Kenichiwa, yeah, I can understand yeah. Ignorance Bliss, I can understand, um, you know, you saying, but like, fuck, man, this album is just incredible. The more you listen to it, that just, it's fucking amazing. It's it's a great project. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to uh, microphone champion uh, for 09. So this is this is where zooming out. This is where the the, the turn happens, right? So, um, when you listen to this, uh, there, there's some tracks that pop out to me and uh, I'm just like, this would not fly even, <laughs> you know, in o, in 07, like, on, uh, backwards. Like, it would not fly. Okay? Lookout with Skepta and Giggs is borderline unlistenable to me personally I, I i i cringe no I, I cringe. it's uh, a banger I, it's an ultra I, banger I cringe. oh oh it's the beat bro it's oh the... the beat is fire <sighs> holy uh, shit this is like know. oh but um but Oof. yeah it, it gets um I, this is partly me personally um but i okay you're saying that for lush with jay sean well I mean, come on now. Right, there we go. Right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> come on now, just relax. Jay Sean, ladies and gentlemen. Jay Fucking Sean, hell. Hey. You think you're in that... Uh, where was the last time you heard that name? 2009, oh. Jay Sean. Woo! That's the only Jay, Jay Sean ever did anything. Bro, down was everywhere for me, bro. Down, 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 down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I can't... And you can... You can, if you put a gun to my head and say, name another Jay Sean track, I'd be dead. I'd be like, <laughs> put one in my dome. Could not do it. Bro, that track was everywhere, but I heard nothing else. It is so oh, weird. So I know he has a career. I guarantee, I know he has a career because it just, it just, it just <sighs> happens, right, for most people. If they stay there, people are going to listen. Actually, let me, let me find this right. Bro, he's got six million monthly listeners. Bro, Who are you some, people? He's got, anyway. some, he's got some tracks. He's got <laughs> stolen. Went number four in the UK. Eyes on you went number I don't, six. I, all right, yeah, all right, right, right. I, don't I don't care. I don't care about the point. I don't care if I'm wrong or right. I'm just saying. Um, Too many men is so fascinating to me because I literally have have I I barely hear the beat most of the time. I hear the only times I've heard that track is in clubs and they always remix it with a different beat. They ne- they never they never actually just put the regular beat on. I I rarely hear the actual regular uh, the normal beat, um, which was very fascinating. Listening back to it, I was just like, oh yeah, that was the beat, wasn't it? Because I just keep hearing it with something else every time I went to the club. Uh, too many men always comes up like the t- probably to this day. Definitely when I was clubbing around like twenty eighteen or whatever. 
2019. Uh, not, well, not 2019. 2017, there you go. Say that for a, for a nice middle ground. Yeah, just, you know, if someone putting on a, a, a different beat and just hearing too many men, too many, many men, like everywhere. Um, <laughs> one track that hasn't aged very well um, <laughs> in the light of, in yeah. especially in the light of uh, uh, the, the, the new uh, Dave Chappelle uh, st- uh, stand-up uh, that I will talk about on What's Good next week. Um, uh, Disguise mm. with uh, Jamie and Jammer. Woo! <laughs> this one is not it is not flying to 2021. Boy. They got to take buddy. that one off that album and just Ooh, like buddy. shuffle it into the the trash can and, and empty trash. Oh, it's so oh, empty recycle. It's, it's so it's it's so bad, mm. but like but the fact that I can't hate on the fact that they put it with the Transformers thingy. Robots in this, guys. I was like, damn, if it wasn't transphobia to the fucking highest degree, this would actually be so scrapely sick. But I can't. I just it's impossible. I forgot this track existed. I I put this on, I was like, shit. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, this one hit me in the face. Oh boy. Anyway, um, but yeah, apart from the apart from those personally, um, it's a, it's it's an okay album, it's fine. Um, it's just, um, I mean, I don't mind too many, man. Uh, I just, I just, I just find it, um, you know, I, I just find it a bit rinsed because every single club uses it to this day. And I'm just like, guys, it's, it's okay. You don't have to play it. Um, it's not, it's not that hard a track, but anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, Skepta, the, the, the actual na- name of the track, um, I really enjoy. Uh, Ed Hardy Party, while it's, mm, there's, there's, the, there's the remnants of the change happening, um there on that one and also actually just near the near to the end really that and madness uh with a uh, fucking was that end dubs on it on that one yeah end dubs but are you oh, talking about dubs. microphone still yeah, yeah 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 i think that was end dubs if i'm if i'm talking correctly um let me let me find it right quick because i just want to be correct um but yeah there, there was a I, de- I definitely remember like a them being uh, talked about in that fashion. Um, oh, it just says album. dubs. It just says dubs. Oh, I might yeah. be talking about doing it again then. Okay, I'm, I, might have been, I might have been confused. Because um, it says dubs. I'm just like, who the fuck's does? Is it end dubs? Yeah, no, I'm talking about the next album. Anyway, we'll get to that. So yeah, apart from that, um, you know, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of tracks there that are just, oh, that obviously haven't aged well and are really just um, relics of, like, a change that's happening at that point. Because, bro, it's, it was grime up, up until this point, right? But now you're getting stuff like Lush coming in. It's just like, okay, mm. what's that? And this co- and this keeps coming. We'll get to the next album, but this keeps coming. On the, In the grand scheme of things, there are artists that come here, including people like Tinchy Strider, Um you know there are artists that come in that don't do that. I don't know if they ever did grime, um, but they don't do it when they become names and they do something different, for better or worse. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'll explain more on the next album for sure. I think we're both we're both going to come to the same conclusion here, just because you know, just behind the Charlie and I don't God like damn. we don't prep together, so we do it separately and. Uh, I came to the same conclusion, but anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I thought this the song Skepta was just a wild trip. You know, the, that beat is just weird. Like, he, he was really trying some stuff on this project. Good weird or? Ah, uh, just. It's it, an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. It's just, it kind of sums up this record to me. So, 
It's his first charting project, 103 on the UK chart. Skepta has 11 production credits. Jamie has one. Rolex Sweet was Skepta's first official single. It went 89 on the UK chart. Too Many Men went 79. Lush didn't chart. Lush didn't chart, so I don't know what the fuck. By the way, with Jay Sean, if you're wondering what happened to Jay Sean, he was signed to Cash Money, so I don't have to say any more than that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> when... um. When asked about it in 2009, Skeptis said that he felt it had more bangers on it than any UK album in 2009. And when you think about that time period, Dizzy was dropping oh. Tongue in Cheek that year, which was just wild. Uh, we've spoken about that at length. Uh, I mean, I mean, I prefer that, but trust me. Mike Skinner had released Everything is Borrowed in the year prior. It's basically a spoken word meditation. Kano was about yeah. to drop Method to the Madness, which was a really left-field concept album. And Microphone mm-hmm. Champion, to me, is greatest hits with a little bit less quality on it. I yeah. I couldn't disagree with him on the banger comment uh, because I think every beat on here is a banger. I think the production is probably slightly better than his previous record. Um, oh My Gosh is a wonderful concept track, story-driven. I think it's great. The beat sounds like it should be Mario's theme music. It's fucking amazing. Lookout is just... Lookout is ultra late 2000s. Snoop Dogg would float on this. I, I love it, man. I think Skepta and Good Gibbs. Good shout. Yeah. I think Skepta and Gibbs tore yeah. it down. Sticks and Stones is fire. My Emotions fire. I love a lot of these tracks. Too Many Man is an absolute banger. Banger, banger, banger. Gingerbread Man, fire. I do think it drags slightly. This record over the top is a bit of a slow burner, but it burns too slow and it becomes a little bit sleepy. Uh, Skepta, the, the song Skepta is, is brave, but I, I actually do think it's pretty trash. I don't like that. Um, I do love the dated references, like my, referencing MySpace on reflecting, because uh, they're <laughs> so dated, so, so dated. Uh, but I, yeah, we'll get into doing it again, but I definitely see your point, and I'm very curious to see how you feel about this record. Because Let's this do album, that. Yeah, fuck, man. <laughs> okay. Wait, just before we so, start, just before we start, like how much... Blame can we portion out to Black Eyed Peas? Just in general. <laughs> what was the END? Was like 09? Oh, buddy. How many um, artists... Yeah, something like that, how right? How many artists took yeah. that blueprint and... Oh, day. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so the end was, yeah, June, June 09. Right in, right in the heart of summer. Oh, gosh, what a summer. I got Damn, a feeling. What a summer that was. Absolutely outstanding summer um right yeah so you get you you, you're seeing where i'm coming from already so you're seeing it right you're seeing the landscape you you named a couple of the albums there right we 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 and actually that's another good reference i mentioned this kind of shift happening with uh especially when it came to like dizzy rascal how do you go from something like you know boy in the corner and now you're doing like a uh dance with me with calvin harris like that's a banger, by the way. I fucking love that track. Oh, that not a negative. I'm just stating banger. a fact. Ultra oh, banger. Ultra banger. Anyway. Come and toss a Yeah, so, you know, the landscape is changing, ladies and gentlemen. Grime is not the thing anymore. After 09, grime is just not the thing. And to be honest, it never comes back in in the in the way that it was at that at that uh, around the time of I think the peak is like oh five oh six right, 
people would say, you know, people might say like, oh, you know, oh one, oh two, whatever, debate, whatever. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. I'm just saying from a, uh, from a popularity standpoint, I think that's where it, that's that was the sweet spot. Um, that's where people were dropping heat. That's when the Lord the Mike's uh, heat was coming through. Obviously, Wiley was dropping like the Esky Esky track. Um, I forgot, I forgot what year it was, but like you know, that was early in the two thousands, right? The 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 roots were sown at that point, but after after '08, it just the, the growth just stumps. Everyone leaves it. Wiley does "Where Am My Rolex," which is Oof. a banger track. Oof. It's a banger track. My dad used to bump that. Yeah. Right. And he's a big Wiley fan. He used to bump that. Bump. I used to bump that because it was on. Right. At the same. That's around that same time. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad for these guys, right? Because this be real, Skepta, Wiley, especially Dizzy Rascal, these guys are pioneers to this genre that we call grime. But with respect, they all die. They all dip. They all dip it. Now, why? Because money's coming in. Money. Okay. Money is coming in. Okay. So you have. Okay, I mentioned N Dubs because it said Dubs before, so it's actually N Dubs for this one. On doing it again, there's a track called So Alive, mm-hmm. which has N Dubs in it. Intolerable and end <laughs> horrible. Okay, um, and that when it comes to uh, tr- uh, people like N Dubs, they brought in something that was <clears throat> I can't describe it. Maybe honestly, if they existed now, they probably have a much better day. Um, they 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 probably be better than they were at this point because you had Dappy, Tulisa, and Phaser, right? Tulisa was coming in, you know, the R and B type type, you know, singing thing going on, right? Dappy and Phaser were the rap guys, and like the and the music was very just polished. I'm I'm gonna say that as a as a as a as a neutral way of saying it, polished, okay? Then you have someone like Tinchy Strider, who I used to enjoy back then. I, I really did enjoy it back then. But you listen to something like number one right now, it's not working, right? And he and he came out in like 07. Oh and oh and again, oh nine <laughs> is when uh, he dropped catch catch twenty two. And that shit had some charters on there. Um, I'll see if I can find the critical reception right quick uh, and the charts. Yeah, number two in the charts. Number two in the UK in the UK charts. Okay, uh, number eleven in the European top one hundred charts. Okay, it was popular. It had number one with N Dubs, Strider Man, Take Me Back with Tayo Cruz of mm. all people. F- that's a name. That's a name. All right. Tyo okay, Cruz. that's a name. Tyo Cruz, remember that guy? Yeah. Fuck, we're bringing out the names right now to the, this episode, right? And my guy that I always love to mention in this, in, when it comes to this era, Tiny Temper. Okay, yeah, he comes through him. with Discovery in 2010, which is like a like a like a synth-heavy sci-fi kind of element thing going on. But it bangs, right? For me personally, I love it. I've ser- I thoroughly enjoy it. But the, even that shit has, uh, uh, uh what's it? Uh, Miami Two Ibiza with Swedish House Mafia. Okay, another, another. Oh God, we're bringing out the heaters right now. We're bringing out the names. Oh, the throwback names. Swedish Remember Swedish House, House Mafia? Mafia? Fucking hell, they had, they had EDM on by the balls, bro. It was crazy. I know. Um, so yeah, you know, 
I'm just saying this as a statement of where the where the landscape was at the moment. Okay, there were black artists completely ditching grime. Okay, and they were doing something different. This dance electro hip house. I'm gonna say it pop. Okay, it's pop. It's pop in a way um, that is different from you know maybe like a I don't know. Trying to think of a name like a, like a Jesse J or whatever, right? It's 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 not it's not that quite kind of kind of pop going thing going on there, but it's pop, right? Um, so where does Skepta fit? In? Mm. Skepta fits right in there. Right Skepta in the fits middle. right in there, and it's late in the game at this point. It's in 2011. Yeah. This shit started in 0809, and he's and he comes out with this. Doing it again is horrible. It's trash. <laughs> it's trash deluxe. Doing it again is horrible. It's so bad. I, oh, gosh. <laughs> ben, do you know how often Bad Boy was playing? Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. That track was everywhere. In the background, man. Um, I, I will say Throw It In The Bin is a banger. Um, but funny enough, out of out of the, on the spot, I'm just looking at the Spotify listens. That's, that's like the most <laughs> least listened to track. <laughs> Oh, my head wants to explode. It's such a banger. Like, I don't mind throwing it in the bin, but apart from that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Like, the first half is like, I don't know, just like get up and dance kind of shit. Rescue me, amnesia, bad boy. Um, I, Let me get the lyrics of the bad boy while I talk. Because um, it's just... Listening back to it now, it's just like, what the fuck was, was that? It was just it was horrible. Um lyrically as well um so yeah uh you know and then you get into what else we had like the end got oh it's got even worse big with chip why is that five minutes why why is that five minutes taking too long with this i have no i've never heard of this charlie drew chat sorry never heard of you my guy horrible uh a horrible track all over the house eh so alive oh peak peak that, that's some peak N-dubs cringe, man. Peak. That's the peak. Um, oh, and I knew... I, I, I guarantee... I, one, I, ben, I have to ask. When you saw Diddy Dirty Money, <laughs> what did you think? Please. Did you have a reaction? You must have. I knew. You must have had a reaction. I knew he'd be in the when background, you saw that Diddy Dirty Money. I knew money. he'd be in the background just dancing away. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great when I saw that I was just like oh god damn and then doing it again as just the title track is just it just, it just wraps it up it just wraps it up as an overall just frankly terrible album but this is not different from most of the stuff that was coming out at the time it wasn't it was of the time and that time was frankly horrible thinking about it now we because know that everybody dipped we know everybody that. dipped everybody dipped off the roots of where they were and I'm stating I'm stating that with full chest. You lot can tell me otherwise, but they Oh, I nearly said that word. I'm not gonna say that. But they they dipped. They dipped off the essence of what they had and they just went for what was popping. And that's fine. But it is what it is. And I hate I hate this pre hook. She told me that I talk nonsense. She never she said I never boost her confidence. She came home wearing a brand new dress, but I never gave her a compliment. No emotion, no attention. She wants me to pop the question, but I never said a word, not even a mention. That's why they call me a bad boy. Like, bro, really? <laughs> because you didn't pop a question? Fuck me, bro. You ruthless boy. Ruthless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How 
bro, how polished is that? Like, I'm sorry. That's not even, that's not even, that's not bad boy behavior. I'm sorry. Like, that, that's just, that's just, that's tall behavior. That's, um, that's inconsiderate behavior. A uh, uh, push. Bad boy? All right, let's not, let's stop. All right, I'm going to stop there because Jesus Christ. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, what's it, mm. what's it era? What's it era? Mm. Fuck. I'm gonna package this. I'm I say gonna... the I say the 2000s was a fucking weird time, but honestly, in the UK music scene, fuck me, that was glorious. But I mean, in, oh, just gosh. in general, Absolutely just terrible. in general, 2009 to 2012 was just a mess. It was just a total mess. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna package doing it again with uh, Blacklisted because I think it's really interesting. So this one went 19 on the UK charts. Uh, only seven Skepta beats on this record. Um, NME gave it a three and called it the sound of grime destroying itself. Now, <laughs> certainly, certainly, Chesty. the videos match the audacity of the sound. They're <laughs> locks. They're vivid. They're opulent videos that center on Skepta as a as a party fiend, a wildly successful suit wearer, ladies man. Um, yep. They're not the slickest because you can kind of see the edges in these videos. They're not. They're not, they're not the slickers. I find it incredibly hard to disagree with what Enemy said. Um, you know, the hip house had just overtaken. Um, ah, look, man. He, Skepta, uh, let me get into the facts. Skepta said uh, of the Diddy collab, he said he woke up one morning with his socials going crazy and Diddy had tweeted him asking him for his details. Skepta did it, gave him his details, and Diddy called him about the remix to the song, which Skepta did. Uh, so it wasn't, it was never Drake who brought Skepta over to the United States, it was Diddy. And I think the reviewers probably have a better time describing this album if they did a little bit of research. So Skepta did an interview around this time, and he was asked this Out of all the artists you've performed alongside and seen live, who has inspired you? Now, this is probably going to make a lot of sense to people, especially Charlie. His response is thus. I watched Lil Wayne's performance at the MTV Video Awards, and I'm not saying that I was inspired by his jeggings, but I was inspired by the fact he was on a big, massive stage performing John featuring Rick Ross. In America, they respect him because he has so many fans and he has broken so many boundaries, but I don't think we've got that here yet. When I was watching it, I thought, how can you make a song saying 4-4 Bulldog, my motherfucking pet, I pointed at you and tell that motherfucker fetch on telly. He was the main act, and I thought one day I want to be on stage as Skepta at the Brits with Boy Better Know and perform some sick grime tune as the main act and smash it. I feel that boundary mm -hmm. hasn't been broken yet in the UK so far. He echoed that sentiment mm -hmm. in an interview earlier, right before the album came out, saying that he wanted to play Amnesia on every huge stage in the world. And this album totally makes sense to me. This is Skepta trying to break that final frontier to cross over to true worldwide mainstream. And I never thought about this before, but the first rapper to headline Glastonbury was Jay-Z. It wasn't until 2019, a full 11 years later, that a grime artist headline was Stormzy and he tore it down. And I felt like doing it again was a push for that honor. And in that sense, it does make sense. But then we get Blacklisted, which is his 2012 mixtape. It's up on Spotify there's a great piece in uh, Trench on it, and this is what this is what they said about it. Um, it says this: In 2011, Grime was dead, or so the cynics said. 
the scene's legends were forced to abscond their origins in the midst of a music industry yet to see the genre's value, trading fiery underground barfield bangers for electro-pop leathered chart toppers with a hint of edge. For those who made the transition, this was the only way to make money from their music and reach artistic maturation, and the likes of Dizzy, Chip, Wiley, and Tiny took it in their stride as they became new age pop stars. In the middle of these two worlds was Skepta, who would lead the charge for grime in its purest form, gatecrashing the industry years later, but at the time was heading down the same path as his mainstream chasing peers. The man from Meridian had just released Doing It Again, his third album, a visible and audible departure from previous Opus's greatest hits and microphone champion. Skepta sounded uncomfortable and conflicted throughout, making for an altogether hollow and vacuous listen. On top of this, the tide was turning for the grime come pop stars who were on the wane as the industry lost interest. An experiment gone awry, the only option for many, including Skepta, was to go back to the drawing board. Buoyed by a desire to prove the doubters wrong, 2012 saw the release of his magnum opus, Blacklisted, a project representing his philosophy to a T, a purposeful move away from the commercial-sounding songs of old, Skepta doubled down on grime, crafting, crafting a moody, lonely, and defiant caricature of the man himself. From the beginning of the intro, with its piercing synths and fuck Skepta opening cry, the signs says this is a wholly different experience to take. Skepta is focused, free from the shackles of chasing mainstream represented on an artistic level and addressing the scene from the mountaintop like a prophet. Now that is a great fucking description of Blacklisted. I'll, when Charlie speaks, I'll find the uh, the author of that. I don't know why I didn't put the author. I want to speak their name. But this project is raw. Uh, it's the most authentic I have actually ever heard Skepta. I think on his next few records, he'll be delivering us the viewpoint of someone in a much higher tax bracket, especially in his next record, in which he lays <laughs> waste to everything he's seeing around him. And he delivers really poignant dismissals of pop culture and the inequality he saw at all levels of success and fame. Like the opening track, Same Shit, Different Day, it expounds so beautifully on the nihilism and melancholy that would be so pivotal to the emotional pull of grime music during the 2000s, like the resilience of continuing on when things remain the same. And it's just a stream of conscious thought, like Skepta was sitting in the studio at 6am, strewn with comatose bodies and the fruits of the night before, and he's just alone and bitter. And on Castles, he eviscerates the institutions that continue to spawn oppression and separation, that make him feel uncomfortable simply because they're designed to make anyone who looks like him comfortable. Uh, it's just it's just so wild, man. This couplet, he says, is so sobering. He says, Notice when a white man looks at my watch, I think he's trying to pay me a compliment. When a black man looks at my watch, I think he's trying to knock my confidence. And to me, it's just such a far cry from the glitz of his previous album. You know, he 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 really dumbed himself down on doing it again. He really did. And I understand why he did it. And I see the vision, and I recognize what he was trying to achieve, and I do think it's a pivotal album in his progression. And I'll get to that when we get to the end and sum it up. But this album is blacklisted is just fucking amazing. Ace Hood Flow is like the centerpiece of the whole album, and people forget how influential Ace Hood was during the hip house era. He was a rapper who could actually sound menacing and authentic on top of electro clash beats. He might have been one of the only ones to do it successfully. Um, and he says this, and the, the whole song is about the Americanization of, of UK rap. He says, I've been keeping my ears to the street. 
The UK's run out of ideas, everyone doing covers of American beats. If it's not the Ace Hood Hustle Hard Flow, then it all sounds like Rick Ross to me. This is the shit I'm supposed to respect? And then he says, too many men come in the game for two minutes, shoot two videos, spit two lyrics. Now all of a sudden their names are getting mentioned in the same sentence as mine by the critics. And Skepta put himself in that arena with his last album. He opened himself up to those comparisons. I find it so fascinating, man. And it almost walks in a bit of lockstep with Lupe Fiasco's Lasers because Lupe dropped uh, Friend of the People, I Fight Evil, straight after Lasers. That's the tape that got me back into Lupe after I'd fallen off after his last album, uh, after Lasers. And Blacklister becomes one of the most important projects in Skepta's discography, maybe the most because I think it sets the scene for Kenichua being the antithesis of doing it again. So even when you see Pharrell pop up on the production list and the feature list, you know it's not going to be the same. You know, he's he's come too far. He recognized it was an aberration doing it again, and he doesn't want to do it again. And, and then we get Kenichua, which we did speak about uh, in depth. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but we've already, yeah, we, we've already done an episode on it. Yeah, um, oh... Yeah, so we yeah, so like I've been saying we've talked we've talked about it before. So um, uh, let me get the uh tracker track. <laughs> let me get the episode number up. Oh gosh, um, what was it <coughs> volume three? If I remember correctly. Oh, God, yeah. Um, uh, t- no, oh gosh, what was it volume two? Maybe. I think we've only oh, done gosh, four. What was it? I think we've only done four CCs. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done four CCs. Um, oh, it must have been the first, must have been the first one. Yeah, it was the first one. Um, so that's uh, episode ninety six. I'll drop a link to it uh, in the full show notes for you guys to listen to that. Uh, we well, f- funny enough, we actually talk about lasers as well. <laughs> hey, nice. You talk about lasers. I wish we'd made. Yeah, I wish I'd drawn that comparison. Fuck, that would have been a great. Oh well, shit happens. Still. Well, well, we got both. We got both albums there. So if you guys want to listen, give it a listen. Uh, so yeah, instead of talking about Kanichiwa specifically, um, because uh, we have done that before, <clears throat> um, I'm going to talk about uh, just again zooming out, kind of the background there of what the what the landscape was. So clearly, I mean, Enemy put it fucking well. Like that. That's actually uh, if you want to put it all in a line, that's pretty much it. It's watching Grime die. Like it's literally just watching Grime just. I don't know, just commit suicide, so to speak. Um, now, you've kind of um, you've kind of hinted at the at the at the thing that's uh, at the change at the sea change in I guess let's say Skepta specifically, but it takes a while for the overall essence of uh, just um, uh, of UK black music to uh, change. Uh, again and evolve in the same way that you were talking about uh, pertaining to what uh, Skepta said uh, as to the landscape. Um, so <clears throat> a good example is to talk about uh, the MOBO Awards, which is, um, uh, is MOBO stands for Music of Black Origin. And, uh, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say this as like, I say it like it's the, um, like it's the, uh, the be all and end all for decision making of what's you know great that year or whatever you know what I mean uh, I we don't we I mean me and Ben don't as a as a podcast entity we don't do that for the Grammys and we're not going to do that for anything else um, you know maybe the maybe the Mercury Prize maybe but um, even with that I you know contest that but anyway um, so just take this with a pinch of salt but it gives you a good taste of what 
what has what goes on in between those years. So let's go over. Okay, 2011. Funny enough, I said Jessie J. She wins album, best album and single. Jessie J. What was the single in the Mobo Awards? In the Mobo Awards, do it like a dude. Banger. No, it's, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> God, I hate that track. Uh, 2012, great year for me personally. Um, Earthquake, uh, Labyrinth and Tiny Temper, banger track. Uh, that was best single. And Emily Sande's Our Version of Events. Okay, so that's... Um, and that's a fucking outstanding album, by the way. If you guys haven't listened to that, woo! Peak R&B. Um, uh, British R&B and soul. Just absolutely outstanding. Um, 2013, album Rudimental, which is more... Uh, Live instrumentation slash drum and bass kind of thing. Uh, and the best single was La 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 Naughty Boy. Okay. Uh, 2014 was Sam Smith doubling up with Stay With Me and In The Lonely Hour. That's 2014, guys. 2015, Long Way Home, Kate Crept and Conan. And then there's best single, which is Skepta Shutdown. Okay. Now. Um, oh, now, when we get to Kunichiwa at this point. It's worthy. It's worth to mention that shutdown came out in like fifteen, and that's not me. Came in fourteen. That's not me. Really got people mm. going. This is a big. This um, is a massive song. Speak on it. It's it, a huge song. It got people going. Um, it really. It it really brought it back. Uh, even in the Wikipedia, it says Complex Magazine ranked the song number one on this list of most grimes, most impactful songs of the twenty twenty the twenty tens. And they are not wrong. They really are not wrong. Because understand that when this track came out, and more importantly, I think, when the video came out, um, they didn't they, they, they took that they took that video and just went, you know what? Let's just do it how we usually did it. Watch the video. Watch, guys, go watch the video just right now. Pause this, pause this pod. Go watch the video because you will understand immediately where I'm coming from here. When I say they brought it back, they brought the essence back. They literally revived the motherfucker. Okay, now you can say there was, um, you know, tracks here and there that around uh, in between 2011 and 14 that may have, uh, you know, <clears throat> there may have been an attempt to bring grind back or whatever, but. It was so intentional as a throwback, it really kicked everyone else up the arse. And I guarantee you, if you hit up, um, if you ask like Stormzy what that's not me meant to him, I think he'd say it was an inflection point for him. I think it was an inflection point for a lot of artists that are, that are out right now. I think that it was a flexion, inflection point for UK black music at that point. Because, funny enough, while he while he kind of brought Grime back in that fashion, um, Grime didn't survive after this, I think, um, in the way that if you listen to what's coming out now, it's UK rap. And I've said this before, I believe there are three different, there are three, I guess, uh, types of this, uh, of this era, right? There's Grime, there's UK rap, and then there's UK hip hop. UK hip hop's kind of self-explanatory. You know what I mean? It's hip hop, but just UK. So you got your, you know, your loyal Carners, your Ocean Wisdoms, Four Owls, Tremendous, Little Sims, right? Um, and then UK rap. You got your, you got your Stormzies, right? 
you got your Stormzies, you got your Daves, you got mo- AJ Tracy, you got most of the people that you know of in the UK scene. Most of them are doing UK rap in basically, you know, just just foundationally. Obviously, they're throwing in different things these days. You know, drills obviously there. That's definitely that's definitely right there now. That's that's another one. That's the fourth one. There you go. Um, you know, you got the Afrobeat elements that we talked about last week as well. You know, there's that too. So. Um, there's there's more flavors out right now, but Grime really had kind of a I feel kind of a swung song with That's Not Me, where you know Grime still I'm not saying Grime's dead right, but Grime is not charting it will probably won't chart anymore, um in the case in in the way that this did, this blew up right it may it may have been like twenty something in the singles chart. Let's eliminate that. Let's eliminate that. Let's let's talk about the cultural impact that stuff like that's not me, and obviously shut down with the you know the Drake bin, trust me, daddy, right? You know you can throw that in as well. That did something as well, obviously. <laughs> and then you have Kanichiwa. Yeah, yeah, Ben's laughing because he said it in the in the before we recorded, and I dared him to do it for the intro. Um, but he pussied out again. Uh, so, um, but but then but then that all shut. But then Kenichiwa basically took all of that, you know, and that's the reason why it won the Mercury Prize because it did a lot for the culture. It really made a. It really did a referendum. It told you what do you guys want to do? Do you want to do the stuff that we all did in 2011? No, I don't think we want to go back to that. So let's start again, and let's find our way again. Right, and Kanichiwa really did that, really did do that, and uh, you know, you, then you can add, you know, the Kano's made the manners and stuff like that around that time that really, um, that 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 really brought the essence back. And funny enough, you know, mention stuff like uh, mention like Tiny Temper, but uh, you know, previously, you know, he was still there around that time, and he wasn't, he 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 went on to, he he kept going, he kept going with what he was doing. You know, and that's a, that's his prerogative, but it didn't work. It didn't work. Take it from me, a guy that was waiting and waiting and waiting for his third album, and fucking hell was it a disappointment. Oh, youth in 2017 was a huge disappointment for me. Um, there are some, there were some good tracks on there, right? There was Mamacita, which is a banger. Um, but text from your ex with Tinashe, horrible. Girls like with Zara Larson, horrible. Um, not letting go is decent. I like that. But yeah, he he, you know he he binned it. He he binned it, and that's fine, right? But Skepta had the right idea. In retrospect, he had the right idea, and he forced everyone to basically have a cultural reset. He basically kickstarted a cultural reset in my mind, in my opinion. I am going to speak through and I'm going to like give my summing up and then I want Charlie to speak after that. So I might speak for a little bit here, but I think what Charlie said there was fucking amazing and I just want to expand upon it. I do want to say Dizzy Rascals, the fifth came out in 2013, right? We know what that album was. That's another one. There you go. Rasket came out in 2017 and E3AF came out in 2020. Now, yep. you can't tell me that Kinchua was not influential. And if you know Dizzy Rascal, you yep. know what I'm talking about when I say that. Um, so Kinchua goes number two in the UK. Now, Skepta's previous highest was 19. It also charts in 10 countries, which is the first time Skepta had ever charted outside the UK. It went number six, 160 on the Billboard 200, which is huge for a UK album around that time. 
83 on Metacritic. And this is what Skeptis said. Kenichiro is a classic. The album was delayed for kick drums. To put it out was a definite happy point. I'm out for revenge. I come into this thing pure-hearted and loving music, and people take me for an idiot. You get what I'm saying? So when I spit now, people are going to hear a madman. They're going to hear a monster. They're going to hear someone who's out for revenge, and I'm out for revenge. It will represent Britain. So Charlie just said it perfectly, so I'm going to move straight on to Ignorance is Bliss. Now, this is... Can I make one point right quick? Go, go. Yeah, sure. Because you mentioned the fifth, and uh, and you know we, when we listened to that, I remember talking about that album, right? <clears throat> and you just just look at just go look at the features; you'll pretty much understand you know where, we're gonna, where yeah. we where we went with that. Um, but you know, even that, even that, had baseline junkie, mm. which is the some of the hardest shit he's ever done, right? So I don't know what you I don't know what you I don't know what the what you could say to that that he may have knew. Right, because that's the most popular track on that album. So maybe that was the call- maybe that was the calling card there that you know stop doing the rest of the shit and stick to this. Go back to this because he did do he did kind of do that. He had a couple of mixtapes out afterwards. Um, he did like it because he started his label at that point, and he did some a couple of label mixtapes, right? And uh, even 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 when I say that, like you know, Tiny Temper did something called Junk Food, and that had like big nasty and that and stuff like that. So. You know, these guys knew that there was a sea change there, but they just decided not to. And that's kind of disappointing in that fashion when you think about it. But yeah. There's a brilliant article uh, on Medium by a writer called Awful Rahul, uh, which is written about ignorance is bliss. And it's clearly written from the perspective of like a true, genuine fan. And it says, Ignorance is bliss is an album that only Skeptic could make, no matter how you want to take that statement. Now, I think this is what distinguishes the truly great artists as their careers progress. If you think about the point in the career of Legends in which he said, only this artist could make this album. Nas was the only artist who could make Illmatic because he's the only artist who ever did make Illmatic. Kanye West was the only rapper who could have made College Dropout. Eminem is the only rapper who could have made Slim Shady LP. Rakim is the only rapper who could have made Paid in Full. Jay-Z is the only rapper who could have made Volume 2. DMX is the only rapper who could have made his debut record. Now, the greats really yep. distinguish themselves, usually early in their career. Skepta took a little longer to discover this unique ability. But as I said on my friend to my friend on the phone yesterday, there are some experiences we have to have in life to become the person we're destined to become. We can lament our past experiences and criticize our past selves for making mistakes and taking wrong turns. But without them, we wouldn't be who we are. And we would always have made those mistakes anyway. It's like it's such a self-defeating statement. Like we're always going to make certain mistakes. Without doing it again, we never would have got blacklisted. And if Skepta had followed doing it again with another doing it again, we may never have got Kenichiwa because we may never have gotten even the Drake cosign, and we may never have gotten the cagey insecurity and outright nihilism of Ignorance is Bliss, which is a record that situates Skepta in the two domains that he actually commands, the two entirely discordant ones, his grime heritage and all that comes with that, and this superstardom that came with Kenichiwa and was continued with Ignorance is Bliss. And he opens the album with some really wise words. He says... It burns when you realize she was never your girl. It was just your turn. And that's very salient. And Skepta told YouTube about this song. He said, Bullet From A Gun basically speaks about everything the rest of the album says. When I was listening to it, I felt like this needed to be said. This needs to be said about the album first. 
it should have been called ignorance is bliss because it just explains that. And he says, these are some of his bars. He says, see, it's too easy to write a sad song about how my dad raised me because I'm looking in the mirror and my dad made me a real top boy. I could just can't play the victim. Been living my life as a kingpin. I'm calm with the heat in the that. kitchen. Yeah. I was a young boy. Mom told me what my name really means and the power just kicked in. I found my way home. Then I saw my granddad's name on a gravestone, the same as mine, mm. already dead. Nothing to fear. Mm. I've been here from time to time. Uh, Chief SK sipping on palm wine. Every day I laugh at these people online. Another one. Here today, gone tomorrow. Dick riding for some likes and a follow. Put in the work. That's all you need to bust. And this is why I say only Skeptic could make this. It's the push in the pull, right? It's the harsh conditions he grew up in pushing him forward and the lights and the glamour and the fame and the success pulling him into spaces he doesn't feel comfortable in. And he says in a Capital Extra interview, he directly addresses this. He says, I am the guy. I'm the one who did it. So why am I listening to anyone else? Put your shades on and get in the studio and do what you do. Now, Skepta also told Capital Extra he doesn't do money to he doesn't do music to make money to get girls to feel powerful. He makes music for the love of making music, and I think that that clears his head. I think it clears the air. I think it gives him the focus and the ability to just do whatever he wants. And he said he said something super deep in that Capital Extra interview about releasing Bullet from a Gun as the first single. He said, "This is something I've felt heavily a lot." Uh, oh no, sorry. This is uh, here. It is here. It is. He says, "If I'm not feeling scared, like oh, I shouldn't have said that. It's not hitting. After all the money and the fame, that won't save you. I'm an introvert, introvert skeptic. I used to blame my life on all this other stuff that was happening outside. Now it's just me, and that's skeptic. And we know, of course, he's taken a break from rapping recently in order to focus on his production. And he told BBC back in August of 2021." It was just a thought in my head where I was like, I just want to do more than just being a rapper because that's a waste of talent. I feel like right now I want to become more behind the production. I want to produce albums for people. I feel like now I just want to branch out. I can't be a rapper. It's a waste of talent. I feel like rapping for artists is some sort of therapy. They go somewhere and they tell someone to record them and they say their pain and the fans say, yeah, we relate to you. You're not alone. But after a while, it's like I've said everything. From being a confused African child to being a chief in my dad's village, I've wrapped myself to my nirvana. I've wrapped myself into it somehow. So now I want to help other people see theirs and get to a certain point where rapping was never a waste of life. And he actually expanded on this in an Instagram post. He said, um, All in is all the music I have to give. This is his EP. I have no unreleased music. It feels good to clear the inbox. Sure, you all know I'm a producer at heart and I have so many ideas I want to work on with other artists. Now, I know I'm speaking a bit here, but I'm going to tie it all up. At first, I felt like this was a bit of a cop-out. So he drops Ignorance is Bliss and then in 2021, he drops his EP and he dips. He says he's going to retire. And I thought that was a bit of a cop-out, that statement. You know, I think rappers do mature and I think that this is the maturity phase of his career. And I felt like maybe he was being a bit lazy and not looking for more avenues of content to pursue but upon reflection i don't feel this way at all anymore in fact i I think it flipped it in my mind because skepta is entirely unique and it's only right we do an episode on him in his career and he's an artist but one who worked incredibly hard to become unique 
It took till his 2019 album for him to create a record that only Skepta could make. And throughout that period, he was at the absolute forefront of grime. He breathed life into it with Meridian Crew through his production and then through his early rap career. And with doing it again, he attempted to cross over, but it was never his true instinct to do it. That album was forced and stilted, but it was so necessary, not just for Skepta himself, but for the subgenre in the UK and the US, because we ended up getting blacklisted. And I'm not saying Do It Again was a cultural and sonic high watermark. I'm not saying it, it, it opened up new landscapes. I'm only saying because it forced him to do blacklisted. And because we got blacklisted, we got That's Not Me in June 2014. Which, you know, sparked Drake to pay homage to the lyric on Used To, which is a little Wayne song. That's not me, is just a, that, as Charlie says, straight grime, absolute straight grime. With Skepta, he basically lays waste to the character of doing it again. You know, he says, I used to wear Gucci, I put it all in the bin because that's not me. True, I used to look like you, but dressing like a mess, that's not me. That's a direct reference to Big of doing it again when he raps. So I went out and bought a Gucci hat and put money on my head. You know, and he begins that the that's not me with it's return of the Mac. I'm still alive, just like Tupac. Now the Drake connection opened up a new avenue to America, which is one that Skepta had spoken about repeatedly in interviews throughout his career, with both positive and negative opinions. There were times when he said he truly respected America, then like American hip hop, then times when he actively rejected its influence on British MCs. And I do honestly feel like doing it again was a grab at that worldwide success. As he said in that interview, his plan was to perform those songs on world festival stages. So if you think about it, he must have, right? It's a huge album. Where did, he, where did he support that album? He played two gigs in Spain and one in Belgium in support of that record. He didn't play anything in the US. It wasn't until 2015 that he went global. But even after all of that, he still only played 14 concerts in America and 11 of them were supporting Kinichua. And it's so weird watching his career progress and evolve because it's like he courted that US, US success, but the minute it came, he'd already moved on from it. You know, with doing it again, I felt like he was like, okay, now I'm going to do it. But by the time it came with Kenichua, he was like, oh, I'm out. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in this anymore. And when he speaks about the Drake connection, he didn't court that at all. That wasn't him trying to create that. Drake just did it himself. Drake reached out to him. Drake, you know, that was all Drake. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, Skepta's goal to do that and the moment when you'd think Skepta would inhabit his role as the grime kingpin in the UK he retires from rap to become a producer again and I like that a lot because I think Greatest Hits and Blacklisted are his two most important projects and Greatest Hits was Skepta exploring and just having fun and Blacklisted was way more focused and strategic which is a super tight grime project in which he vents about the pressure he felt because of his success and those two projects show to me that Skepta is an artist in the truest sense of the word. So quitting to produce, I think is perfect because I don't think Skepta was ever meant to fade into obscurity. I think he's too volatile for that in the best possible way. Like you'll never be bored on a Skepta album. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter how long he continues to drop products. He's going to continually re like evolve and reinvest in himself and... I, I don't I think that's one of the highest things you can ever say about an artist and that's why I think again ignorance is bliss is an album only skeptic could make you listen to that it's very critical of success but it's he he had to actually have that success to create ignorance is bliss 
and no one has had the success in the way that Skepta has had that success. It's just, maybe I didn't explain it perfectly, but this album is, that album is fucking amazing, and, and Skepta is just an entire, this is, this is my closing remark, just an entirely unique artist, and I don't think I've ever seen an artist like him before in my life. Yeah, so uh, to keep my thoughts about the album short, I think uh, it's a, it's definitely um, right next to right next to greatest hits for me. Um, in terms of just like you know general <coughs> thoughts about it. Um, what do you mean is very fascinating to me as a one as one track because um, I I really got like because it's him and Jay Haas and I for some reason got like Dr Dre. And Nate Dog kind of vibes to it. It was so fascinating to me. I was just, I was just like, it's it like, what do you mean? It's, it's really, it was really weird just listening to, to that. And I was just like, this is like a UK version of just like what Nate Dog and, you know, insert other artist here, Dre, Snoop, or whatever. You know, I mean, just it had that, it just had that. Uh, I don't know, it just had that essence to it. It was. It was uh, it was so it was so fascinating to listen to that, but um, overall, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, thinking about the album, I think production wise, especially, I feel like after after uh, funny enough, uh, <laughs> gonna mention testing, which is actually on a g- another album on Contemporary Call, cool, uh, Volume One, uh, go to go spin. Um, obviously, he did a Praise the Lord with uh, ASAP Rocky. And just listen to that track. I think that was produced by Skeptic. Yeah, not, uh, that beat. If I'm not, yeah, if I'm not correct. Yeah, that, oh shit! That beat smacks, oh. right? And it kind of and it bleeds over to this album, like that, 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 just that, that process. Uh, it really, it's not like it's not. It doesn't sound like anything coming out. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like anything out at this point. Um, you know, while I love like a, a Dave album or whatever. You know, I've heard that I've heard the beat on Vedansk several times. I've heard that kind of beat. Um, I've I I rarely hear a, a beat like No Sleep. I rarely hear a beat like that where it's just like it's like tweaked. It's like it's like you it's like you tweak somehow, and it's just like you know, it's just something in his brain just went ding. You know, what I mean, it's just it's just something happened there. Um, but yeah, the album's great, and I feel like the I think the internationalization of UK artists is something that. I will mention now, but I feel like I probably won't have uh, enough words to actually, or enough time to give the words as to how important Skepta was to that. Um, you know, I remember seeing um, around Oscar time uh, earlier this year, uh, I saw like uh, Dave, Damson Idris, uh, I think Notes was there as well. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, obviously, they were mostly there for him. Um, you know, they were all just like squadding up in LA, and it's so fascinating thinking about that um, from a music perspective and also from a film perspective. I'll just keep it to music at this point. You know, just of these guys in LA, and you know, guarantee you that Dave did some work over there. You know, for his second album because it was around that time, so definitely, he definitely did some work in LA at that point. Um, you know, it's 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 different. It's different now. It's different from, uh, that, from that, from that literal, uh, PS One producer producing disc. Like is is, it's 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 different. It's so much different now. The world is so much wider now. 
um in general obviously if you want to get existential but just like you know for uk artists now the possibilities are just there you know you see you see skepta on a freaking tony allen uh, tony is it tony allen I forgot boss. I forgot boss man's name. I feel. I feel bad. Uh, to, <laughs> I feel bad to 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 say it and not actually know. Uh, to to uh, plum forget. Hang on, let me get it right quick. Uh, yeah, Tony Allen. There you go. The drummer, the legendary drummer, uh, Nigerian drummer, Tony Allen. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the fact that he's Nigerian as well. I guess that you know that would have worked. You know, back then. But you know, just in general, the internationalization of it of what's going on right now is crazy to think about and Skepta's right there for it he and that's the thing that's I think that's the final word for me like the final thought for me is that throughout all these changes that's happened whether it's locally or internationally Skepta's there Skepta's there in some form or fashion and you can't say that I don't think about anybody else like I don't know if you can talk about a local scene like UK grime without Skepta you can't talk about the changes that were going on in UK music in general without someone like Skepta. You can't talk about the revival and the cultural reset of of UK black music without Skepta. And you can't talk about the interna- internationalization of UK rap and grime and drill without Skepta. Um, so, you know, like, a, it, it, you know, the retirement thing, is, I've always, you know, I've, I've said this before, I, I, don't, I don't believe artists retire. <laughs> you don't retire be it doing art um you just stop and if you you know it, you never know when it's going to come again like that's it's not like it's not like you know a regular job where you know you, you're you're doing something and then you quit you ain't gonna get it back right <laughs> unless, unless you unless you've asked nicely i guess but um you know you don't stop doing art and uh you know i can't wait to see if he does really like if, if he does go into hard into this eping other people's albums and producing people's albums I would love to see what a a Skepta EP'd album would look like and sound like. Uh, I would love to just hear that creative juice just flowing out. Um, so yeah, far from retired in my mind, but uh, yeah, man, just an absolute legend already. Yeah. Um. Also, just uh, the person who wrote that article that I referenced earlier was Yemi Abiade. So uh, apologies for not having your name in. Good there, job. But, yeah. Yeah, all right. And with that said, uh, I mean, we've been talking for nearly 90 minutes, but have you got a light note at all? Um, I haven't watched The Chappelle. Have you watched it yet? When are you going to talk about it? I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to watch it. I don't think it. I want to watch There's it. There's no point. I don't... I, There's no point anymore. I watched... So I watched the first, like, three minutes, and... I don't want to... I didn't... I t- <laughs> what was the joke? What was the joke that made you just go, <laughs> I'm not oh, gonna repeat nope. it. I'm not going to repeat it on here, but, like... <laughs> Everyone who's watched it will know the joke that I'm talking about. And um, it was, I don't know, man. Like, I was with my friend the other day. My friends, we had a we had a picnic. And he was just like, it's genius. And he was telling me why he thought it was genius. And then my other friend was just like, wait, what? Like, why did you watch that? How is that genius? And then my friend was kind of trying to scramble to explain it. And I was just like, I don't want to engage in this. Like, I just don't, I don't care that much. I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm interested to, to read what people's reactions are and, and the, the deep dives. I think I linked Charlie to a really interesting article that was getting hammered on Twitter. There was some points in that article that made no sense, but, um, I don't know why I don't want to watch it anymore. I do think that he's the greatest comedian of all time or he's close to, 
but I'm not really, I will probably end up watching it, but normally in the past, I would have just gone straight to it and just canceled all plans and watched it. Um, maybe it is the headlines that's turning me off watching. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, if you want to report back, let me know on, on how it goes, but I'm, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about Chappelle overall, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I'm rel- I've, I've relied on other people's testimony as to what it's about and uh you know i I just don't i just don't really have the energy to spin that kind of uh to spin that kind of uh that that kind of work at this point um you know it's not i don't i don't find any different from what he's done in the past few years well that's the thing Um, that's the difference like um if it were what was that that youtube thing he put out that 20 minutes or 18 minutes and it was about the Chappelle show um and it was like this socially distanced concert. People probably remember it. And it was, I think it was on YouTube. Oh, yeah. That was fire. That was. Yeah, but that was after, that was like after George Floyd. And he had a different, the, that was a different That's right. Thing, it was, it? it was, yeah, that's right. It was George Floyd. It wasn't the huge, it wasn't the. That was a, that was a brain bleed for him. That was a brain bleed. That was incredible. Like, and I like those. That was, but, that was. Um, yeah, that, that was not, that was not this. <laughs> see this, this, it's just, I don't, I don't think he needs to do this. I don't think he needs these giant headlines. And even the Netflix, like when you look at it and the, um, the picture they've used for like the screenshot kind of like promo thing. And it's just like him, I don't know, the the, the facial expression he has is kind of like, oh, I just said something a little bit edgy. And it's like, oh, I don't think he needs to do that. I genuinely think he's like one of the most intelligent humans I've ever come across. Um, I don't know. It's almost like a surgeon using an axe. Yeah, just like you don't need to use the axe. You're very adept with the scalpel. Just use the scalpel. But... I could be proven wrong. Like I haven't seen it, so you can you feel free to fucking drag me if you want to on social media because I haven't watched it, so I can't fucking comment on it. But mm. I will mute your I will mute your replies if uh, if you hit me up about that. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, wait, that's actually just the- just on that muting <laughs> is the greatest and most fucking ruthless feature on there because you know there are people that i've muted because they keep barking yeah they don't know they don't know that i because if you block them they're like oh i got that person to block they know but there are people on there that i get replies every now and then to a reply and it says um this this tweet has been hidden i'm like why has this tweet been hidden why why what is why is twitter hiding this tweet from me and then i show it and i'm like that's right i muted that person six months ago and they've tweeted oh. at me 50 times and I've never responded <laughs> because I never see it. Muting is if you don't block people, man, mute them. That's that's the true punishment. That's that's harsh, man. Muting someone's harsh. I fucking love that feature. All right. Mute don't block is the life lesson for today. Ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there from the Fifth End Podcast Network. I have a child. Oh, God, didn't need to good intro, outro. Uh, <laughs> this has been Ticket Digits. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have a child tale of Fifth Element. Swear to God, if you put that Gucci shit on. I bet you guys just can't wait to see what I come up with Don't next week. Don't put that week. Gucci shit on. What's it going to be yeah. next week? Who's it going to oh, be yeah, next yeah. week? Wait, wait, gonna, wait your breath. Yeah. Who are we going to dig up for next week? I've already got, I already know who it's going to be, but I'm not going to reveal it, and it's just going to hit you guys in the face, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? <sighs> fuck is this how did you get this man 
Oof. I hate this running. I, I hate this running bit we've done. I hate it. I just, I hate it's entirely it. me. I've just barreled through, regardless of Charlie's sentiment, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing this. Is it? It's it's finite. There's only a few. It's not like I've gotten everyone in the industry, but you know, it's a couple. So we'll see what next week. But anyway, I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers, as Gucci Mean told you earlier in the episode. <laughs> oh, um. I hope you will have a good week. I'm sure let's try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Let's enjoy. Right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by bonus points. That's the trail breakers for me to use. Socials, Fifth Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Breakers will be in the full show notes for you listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time as we continue our UK Black History Month celebrations on Digging in Digits. <laughs>